0: Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of American Hammers Radio. I know that it's been a while since you've heard from us, but this is episode 23. I am your host, Tex of the Fresno Irons, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, the one with the sweet sound, Mr. Liam Bright. How are you today, Liam?
1: Oh, fantastic. Uh, Thank you for joining me yet again here in the... uh, the extra special, extra updated, incredibly efficient uh, – f- the I-, I guess we could call this the Fresno Iron Studio here <laughs> as we, uh, as we uh, capitulate yet again to the sweet, sweet sounds of American Hammers Radio.
0: It's good to be back. We've been a minute. We want to apologize to anybody out there that was listening. Um, uh, I, if you could see me right now, I've been playing a lot of kickball. I've got a headband <laughs> on. I'm wearing tights. There's a lot of things going wrong in the situation. Liam, on the other hand, has better excuses. Uh, you know, he was actually sick. Yes. Thank God you're okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, um, it, was
1: a, it was a particularly rough bout this year with the flu. So anybody out there, if you are sick, quarantine yourself because I'm tired of you spreading your damn germs. I'm, I'm telling
0: you right now, I've had the flu, and uh, it was horrendous. So I can only imagine what you're going through. Um, I, I, You know what I think the flu kind of feels like? Probably the way West Ham play. Yes. That's probably uh, where the flu resides there. Painfully um fully accurate. It's been a minute since we talked to you, so uh, we're going to do a quick little recap here. Um, last time we talked to you, West Ham were coming off a loss, and then they had Leicester City. And as you know, they went down 4-1. They got hammered in that one. Then we had an FA Cup fourth round match against West Brom. Went down to our former manager, Super Slav, beat us 1-0. And I, I, my favorite thing, we're watching the memes going through Twitter and everything. Like, <laughs> you know, you see Slavin with his hands out, kind of looking to the side, like, confused. Uh, and David Moyes, he's like, I, I wonder what he said. He probably was like, why the fuck did you go back?
1: <laughs> you knew better. You knew better, yeah it's it, it was uh I will give credit to Slavin. he didn't ce- uh celebrate the goal when it went in he just kind of turned and and that was it so I thought that he was very uh high class same thing with uh uh Julian Dix who obviously is is uh on on the coaching staff there at West Brom I was a little let down that the at least I didn't hear it at all. There was no acknowledgement, like a welcome back to Slavin Bilic and Julian Dix. Uh, I was really kind of hoping that the London Stadium will acknowledge, would acknowledge not just former players, but also Slavin as a former coach uh, or manager. But obviously that, uh, that did not happen. So West Brom did, I guess, what they do best in those painfully abhorrent colors, but they, uh, they knocked us out of the cup. It's uh, are I,
0: I, you really shocked, Liam? Like, I mean, we've we've not shown much class from our uh, higher ups. Um, you know, Sir Trevor booking seems to be not booking brooking, excuse <laughs> me. Sir Trevor seems to be the only man that has any class when you see him sitting in the box. He's very appreciative. He always acknowledges the fans. But our board, I mean, I, I'm at the point I used to I used to sit on the side of you know, hey, they want the best for West Ham. But I think it's very clear that. Even if they do want the best for West Ham, they are not what's best for West Ham. No. and it's it's an ugly situation right now. We're going to get into that. Um, the game we most recently had was against Liverpool. I don't think many West Ham fans thought we had a shot. I heard a lot of my friends were saying, "Well, if we keep them under five, it's a successful day." Yeah, which we did. <laughs> we did go down 2-0, but I will admit there was some horrendous calls in that match. Yeah, um, I don't agree with the penalty shout, um, and I definitely think there was a handball in the lead up to one of the goals yeah. for sure. On the penalty shout, Um, and then of course, another player leaked with West Ham, um, Chamberlain, uh, Ox Chamberlain, I can't ever say the Ox part, right? but he ends up uh, getting a goal, and to be truthfully honest with you, Liam, as badly as the calls went against us, there were moments in that game we could have clearly been in it, but we have no ability whatsoever to do anything in the final third so I, I want to ask you this question before we go any further. That match against Liverpool, we knew we didn't really have a shot. But do you
1: walk away with any hope with the way that we played? Yes and no, right? Because you look at you look at the performance overall. It was only a two-zero loss, one of which was a, a questionable penalty. <clears throat> um, you know the other the other goal. I mean, it was a it was a decent build up. You could kind of feel that it was coming. But I really thought that we we played well. We played a little bit timid. We played a little bit scared. Gave them way too much space, especially when the center backs had the ball. They, you know, uh, uh, Virgil Van Dyke pretty much had uh, an open passing lane anytime he was on the ball. Uh, up until the point that Declan Rice chased him into the corner and a foul was called because. Declan coughed on him. I really don't know what was happening at that point. It, it just seemed like a another bout of BS. But honestly, I actually thought we looked pretty good. I thought we played pretty well. Um, I thought we we did uh, we did our best to try to control what we could. You know, you hear the saying, control the controllables, right? Do do the best that you can. Obviously, we knew we were going to cede a lot of possession to Liverpool. We knew uh, they had a lot of attacking threat. They closed us down almost immediately anytime the ball went to the wings, because I think they knew they knew if we were getting the ball to the wings that we were going to be able to try to cross it. And they, you know, you can't have Virgil just completely tagged up next to, Allaire, the entire game, you know, you need to be able to have, uh, uh, more options, more playability. And I just don't think that, uh, one, we had the pace to really play through the wings and we definitely didn't have the technical expertise to be able to play through the middle. When you are relying on Declan Rice to pretty much be a box to box midfielder, like a number eight and play from our box all the way up. And then he takes a shot that. Friggin Allison had a fantastic save on and then our uh Trent Arnold Alexander almost smashed the ball back into the net for us. Unfortunately, it takes a bounce off the post, but I thought we had a whole bunch of uh really good looks and i 'll be honest, man, Snodgrass was man possessed he had he played so many good balls into the box, so many good crosses, and the one, my, one I think my favorite was. We had a uh, we had a foul a foul on Cresswell Cresswell's side on the left side. There he lined up to take the sh- the, the, the to take the free kick, and then Sondre runs over and takes it instead. And he delivered like a pin perfect uh, ball into the box. It just we kept Ogbana put it well over, Alaire put it well over. Like we just weren't getting we weren't keeping the ball down, and unfortunately, uh, we just we didn't even we didn't even get on the scoreboard. So. How do you beat
0: a team like Liverpool? It's simple, Liam. You take, you take your chances when you get them. And the thing, the truth of the matter is this. I don't, I, I, I've been more critical of West Ham in the past month than I've ever been in my entire life. And when I watched that match, we had our chances. Oh, yeah. Liverpool did not run us off the pitch. They were clearly the better team and I'm not taking anything away from them, but we had enough chances to make them sweat. And if we would have put one of ours away then they would have tightened up. Their asshole would have made a diamond. And I'm telling you right now, we're in that match from that point on because they would have tried to conserve the lead. But the thing is, like you said, we let them have too much freedom. And when we did put the pressure on, we we had a phenomenal turnover, and Snodgrass sent it wide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, that's my point. We, we just don't have any ability. And I love Snodgrass, but I finally saw a glaring weakness in his game and it was exploited against a team like Liverpool. He just doesn't have the pace. I mean, he's oh, an, yeah. an incredible passer. He's hands down. I'm curious if there's anybody better in the Premier League at set pieces, uh, sending the ball into the pot. Like, he's just, for some reason, he always finds the head of our guys. We just can't put it down. Guy is an incredible set piece taker. But really, the truth is that the problem with West Ham when I look at this thing is we we have no consistency out there when you're changing managers and when you don't back a manager the certain way. And I, I think Pellegrini is an outlier. I think he needed to go because his, his tactics were too old. But we never really backed Moyes. It looks like we're not gonna back him right now, uh, because we've brought in one player off the transfer window. Um, you never really truly back Slavin Billich. You've got all of Slavin's third and fourth options, you know, bringing in guys that can't that can't cut it in the Premier League. It's just it's infuriating and then this is the part that bothers me the most. Liverpool are nineteen points ahead of second place Man City in the league. They were 16, I think, before the match against us. They're 19 now. The calls that went against us, Liam, were an atrocity. Mark Noble getting a yellow card was ridiculous. There was a foul called on Declan Rice, like you said, yep. deep in the corner. Didn't make sense. And the the, the thing is, we, you and I were at Strummers, which is here in Fresno. It's the Liverpool Bar. Yes, we went to Liverpool Bar. We stood our ground. We tried to sing our songs. <laughs> it was really just three of us. But the, the truth of the matter is this, man. When you're watching that match and the Liverpool fans are looking at you going, yeah, that was a bad call. Even when they can see it, I don't know what's going on, but how, wh- how do you win when those type of calls are going on? And granted, let me make something clear. The calls were not the reason we lost, right. but they definitely added to it. It was the icing on the cake that was. We should have lost that game, and honestly, Liam, one-nil. And yeah. it should have been tight late in the game.
1: And, it's, and when you think about that, right, Liverpool played Tottenham a week ago and they beat Tottenham 1-0. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 very much when you look at when you look at the way Liverpool plays and I'm taking nothing away from them. I think they're having a fantastic season. I think Jurgen Klopp really has the team operate like firing on all cylinders. But before the game started, I think I was you and I were talking about it. I say I just don't think West Ham has been lucky. This season. And what I mean by that is just the just the ball has not fallen our way. There are too many times that it goes off the post. There's too many times where a keeper that is second rate suddenly can stand on their head and has an amazing game and makes all these crazy saves. And we just don't get that same stroke of luck. And I don't know if it is that concept of you make your own luck or if it's just the You know, the players drop their heads and they're just not trying to work hard enough to create that that luck or create those chances that they're not taking. But you look at Liverpool, man, and it's just every call goes their way. And especially when you you handcuff somebody like Mark Noble, who he goes into the tackle, yes. He had his leg out, yes. But then the Liverpool player literally continues to walk and trips over him. He's not even making a run for the ball. He was casually walking towards it, but then falls and makes sure that he lands with his back on Mark Noble's face. And Noble hits the ball twice before that happens, which is insanity to me because the ref is literally five feet away from there and still makes that call that it's a yellow card. Yet, like I said before, you see Firmino do a hack job, just completely chops Lanzini's legs out from under him and nothing like, yeah, we get the foul called, but that's it. And there were multiple other times where our, our players got yanked down. Snodgrass gets yanked down. Um, I think Declan got yanked down at one point and he literally just, play on, oh, nope, fair play, and you're like, I want to say the first one happened less than three minutes into the match, and at that point, we already knew this is this is going to be exactly what we expected. It was going to be live VAR pool the entire time, because everything was going to go their way, and we're just, we're going to get the short end of the stick, so I don't know, man. It's It's tough, because you... You kind of go into that game saying, look, they're undefeated. They've beaten every other team in the Premier League. As much as we would have loved to have been that, you know, to ups, upset the apple cart, be the one team that spoils that party. I mean, with the season we're having, it, that was wishful thinking. But still, I, I just, I'm tired, of, I'm tired of the big clubs getting unfair treatment. I'm tired of them getting the calls that we're never going to get, regardless of who we're playing.
0: You're 100% right. It's exactly the truth. By the way, I have to give you kudos. Live Varpool is oh, yeah. a phenomenal. That's a t-shirt. It's actually it's, it's painfully t- accurate. <laughs> <laughs> that is a goddamn t-shirt. Well done, sir. Uh but really I Liam, it's just a situation where like you said, we're not lucky. We're not going to get these calls. Um and we're spending a lot of time talking about it, but the truth is, I mean, you can't sit there and watch that game and not see how egregious things were and how things don't go our way. Um, and not only that, it's not just they don't go West Ham's way, how much they go Liverpool's way. Yeah. And it's it's infuriating. And, you know, oh, man, Jurgen Klopp in that damn fist pump. I used to like <laughs> Jurgen when he was at Dortmund. Now, now it just annoys the hell out of me, but. It's just an infuriating situation. The whole game was, it was like no matter how hard we tried, nothing was going to go away. Hit the post. They make a mistake, we send it wide. They make another mistake, hits the post. They make another mistake, we trip. You know, it's just, there's so many things that you can look to. There was an interesting moment in that game that I think we, we need to spend a little time on here. Um, because obviously we are in the January transfer window. There's a lot of things going on. There's you know, you get on Twitter and West Ham are losing, who knows what you'll read. Right. You know, uh, you never know what color that shit's gonna come out that time. <laughs> um there's an interesting moment when Manuel Lanzini was um taken off for Pablo Fornals, and I had to confirm it with you on the pre production meeting, but fans were cheering when Lanzini came off.
1: Yeah, which is that's that's just not regardless of what you think of him as a as a as a player in terms of this season, like just be respectful still. I mean, that's one of your squad players. You want to boo players on the other team, that's fine. That's well within your rights, but to to boo our own player, especially somebody that obviously he's got an issue in confidence right now. And you know, luckily Moyes believes in him for whatever reason and keeps trotting him out game after game, but cheer for now's coming on or cheered Lanzini for at least putting in a shift. Like, yeah, maybe he's not the diamond that we, that we used to think he was, but I mean, he's still our guy. He still goes out there. He's still trying, you know, and to me, it's, I don't know. I just think it's, it's a little low brow to, to boo our own player like that.
0: Well, I mean, I, I hate saying this and I'm, you know, I bleed Claret and blue just like you do, but our fans, uh, you know, they're checkers players. And, you know, they're thinking one move ahead, and they're not looking at the big picture here. And, yeah, I'm calling you out, and I hope that you understand (laughs) that I'm calling you out because I love the team too. But the truth of the matter is this. Manuel Lanzini, from a statistical standpoint, we have a right to boo him, 100%. He's got one assist this year. And since last year, he has struggled uh, tremendously. I think the last great game i remember remembering having was the last game of the year against Everton, um, I can't remember if it was this last year or the year prior. I believe it was the year prior under Moyes before we hired Pellegrini where he had two goals and he had a beautiful goal and he okie doked the keeper and it was beautiful. Marco Analtovich also scored in that game. Um, but what I'm going to tell you is this. It's warranted what they're doing. It's warranted. I don't agree with it. Right. I don't like it at all. Manuel Lanzini, I would, uh, there was a time I would tell you he was my favorite player. And I have to ask this question now because we're at a point with this player where I think we have to take a, a realistic look here on what's going on with him. So my point is this. Um we were we were standing in the pub watching the match and um one of the newest Fresno Irons uh want to shout out to Bender. Bender no, if you're that's listening. Right, that's right. Um Bender I heard him make a comment while I was standing in front and he said, I, I think the player has lost his passion to play for us. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing to ask because there was a time when Dmitri Pyatt left. I remember all the social media buzz. Our diamonds here, don't worry. He said he paved the road for this guy. And we were all pointing to Lanzini. We all which, let's be honest, it was kind of an unfair thing to do to him after what Pyatt had done. Right. Pyatt is this... Pyatt... I don't think anybody... I don't think West Ham fans still realize how magical he was. He was arguably the best player in the world, Liam. Yeah. Like, there, like he was He was in the conversation for the Ballon d'Or.
1: Yeah. For just, what he was just, doing. Yeah.
0: So, it's a little bit unfair to think Manuel Lanzini is immediately going to slingshot into the conversation of the Ballon d'Or. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration. But let me ask you this. Moyes is backing this player. Moyes believes in his ability. My question to you is this. Is he the best we have at West Ham United?
1: You know, I, I think when you look at his his ability in the, the time that he's been at West Ham, right, um, you could see that maybe the potential to be the, the, the best player that we currently have on the roster, you know, you look at him versus... Anderson, right? Where Anderson is also that flair player. He's also that uh, you know put the put the ball between people's legs. He's he's that guy that you know uh, can make that that dash along the wing and p- cross the ball into the box. He's that guy that can get at the edge of the 18 and put a beautiful curler in against Crystal Palace. I mean. Lanzini used to be that guy as well and I don't know if it's because of the maybe Bender's right maybe there is the lack of passion for the badge especially coming off of the injury maybe it was the injury itself maybe he's not being put in a position to succeed you know we've seen where he likes to drop a little bit further back to get the ball but I almost never see any options for him to play the ball past that so his option is try to drive and he just He almost became too predictable. I kind of feel the same way about Masuaku, where I remember years ago he was getting around everybody. I mean, I think in the Liverpool game he actually played really, really well. I was actually really impressed with with, uh, Masuaku, but I think that certain players, I I guess they get figured out. You know, like they kind of go to the same the the same uh, tricks, the same tactics, and the other team just has it have Have them pegged it's almost like with fornals so you made the comment how Pablo um constantly tries to put the ball in through a pass and he he'll play it right to the legs of the opposing player and it's like why just play the smarter pass. Like, why Why make this pass if you're always going to concede possession? And I think with Lanzini, it's almost to that same point where he'll get the ball, and I almost assume he's going to lose it. He's either going to hold on it to, for too long, and he's going to get his pocket picked, or he's going to try to play some stupid one-two fancy pass, and it's going to get picked off as well. So, I don't know, man. I, I kind of would say, from an ability standpoint, yes, he probably is our best player, but I think, just like with Payet, He's a great player. He's not a great West Ham player. We need those guys like your Mark Nobles, your Declan Rices, your Aaron Cresswells, uh, your your uh, Mikel Antonio's. those guys that are going to work, put in a shift, full 90, and Lanzini's just not that guy. I just don't see him putting in a shift the same way that these other guys do. I... Uh...
0: One hundred percent disagree with you. <laughs> Couldn't disagree with you more. I'm, a, I think he is without question our best player. I don't think there's any contest there. And I made this comment to you in the pub. Right. And I'm going to remind you of this. Pablo Fornals, like you said, every time he gets the ball, and I and I say, look, every time he tries to make the big time pass, he tries to make the pass that's going to open up an opportunity,
1: the highlight reel, yeah, the right? key pass. Yeah, yeah the you know, if
0: reel. this is FIFA, he tries to lead it and key passes. That's yeah. what he tries to do. The truth is, he's not good enough to do it. But Lanzini is and does. How many times does Lanzini send a pass and there's nobody there, and he gets it through the defender? There's nobody there. This is the truth on Lanzini, and this is what we have to accept. Lanzini's playing a different game than everybody else on that pitch. He his mental state, he is smarter than most of our players. And the reason why is because he's coming from Argentina. Um he's had that time with Messi. He's good friends with Messi. Um, you know, so he's picking that guy's brain. Well, Messi's playing with the best players in the world at Barcelona. He's not. Right. He's playing with maybe a couple of the best players in London. And that's about, <laughs> that's a huge, massive difference there. So when I watch Lanzini, what I notice is this, he gets so frustrated because he's thinking like a chess player, three moves ahead. I'm going to send you this pass. I'm going to make this run. You need to send the ball. He takes off running and the ball comes back to him where he originally was. Right. And we sit there and look at it. Then he makes a pass at a guy and then a the guy doesn't make the run. So it goes right to the defender and Lanzini's putting his hands up like, what are you doing? Like, you got to know you got to make that run. And this is my point with him. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to say this in the, in the best way I can because I do love the kid. He's lost his passion for us because we have not surrounded him with what he needs to be successful. We were promised when we moved to this stadium that we are going to have a world-class team playing in a world-class stadium putting world-class football in front of our eyes. That's what we were told. We were told that. Lanzini was proof to that. He was proof to that this young up and coming starlet diamond of a player, the jewel. So they cost, they call him out of Argentina has all these. We get him from, you know, I think Dubai or whatever the hell <laughs> yeah. he came from. But the point was there's never been a better talent evaluator um, since I've been a West end fan than Slavin Billich. Slavin knew this guy was going to be good. Right. He goes and gets this guy and he's even admitted he got this guy in case they couldn't land Piot. If you remember, Lanzini was signed before Piatt, Right. And so he, he was like, I'm going to, I have this guy in case I can't get Piatt, but if I get both, great. So the situation with him is he's playing a different game. He's 100% playing a different game.
1: But to me, isn't that part of the problem, right? Where if you're that good of a player, then you know how to play with the, the pieces that are around you. Like, it's all well and good for, for us to say, like, hey, he sees the pass two and three plays ahead, or he sees the play. But if, he, if he's not playing off of the talent that's surrounding him, then is he really the best player? Like, you can be an uber talented six foot four striker from the Bundesliga that is knocking in goals that is a 45 million pound player, but then you get brought to West Ham. And if you're not, if you're not surrounded by players that are going to complement what you were able to do at your prior club, what do you have to do to be successful? You have to adjust. You have to readjust. And the best players in the world, make the people around them better. They, they, they don't, they don't worry so much about being surrounded by high talent, but they find a way to work with the talent that's around them. I think you look at Ronaldo, you look at Messi. hell dude, you look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic went to United States and everybody, everybody said, Oh, he's going to retire. Oh yeah. He's gone to MLS. He's done. He's done. Where's he now? Back in Italy. Dude's still banging in goals because he, he takes the best of a situation and he's going to make sure that he can still do what he's ultimately paid to do. We were saying in the pre-show meeting, uh, Arnautovic, he, yeah, maybe he's not lighting it up in China, but he's still banging in goals. So yeah, I, I think that there, there is something to be said about uh, the promise of us having a world-class uh, stadium and club and playing world-class football and not seeing those results. But We do have some really high-talented players. They just have not figured out a way to work together because none of them can stay fit long enough to play in a successive series of games. And is that the fault of the player? Is that the fault of the training grounds at Rush Green because they're so far behind anybody else in the Premier League? Or do we just have a knack for signing injury-prone players a la uh, Jack Wilshire, who's now undergoing hernia surgery and is going to be out till the end of the season? Like it's it's is it is it a is it a comedy of errors or is it just these players we we've built them up in our minds higher than what they actually are
0: I I don't I don't think we've built Lanzini up I think he's that talented I think he doesn't fit with what we have. And you took my, my argument back to me. You even, you covered it was (laughs) the fact that how can he build any chemistry with anybody when we're constantly changing the midfield and he's got nobody to work with. Have you noticed how much deeper and deeper he goes to get the ball? Cause he's just trying to touch it. He's trying to get the ball. He's getting the ball almost all the way back to where our, our center backs are sitting just so he can get on it and start creating. But the the point of the, the matter is this, it's not, that he has to make everybody better around him. It's the fact that we have to be consistent in the side. So that can actually happen. Right. I guarantee you right now. And I, I'm going to get slaughtered for saying this (laughs) and I'm fine with it. You put Messi at West Ham right now with this team around him. He's still, he's going to get his, we're still going to struggle. Right. Because soccer is, excuse me, football for you, (laughs) uh, for you guys. But football is one of those sports where, you know, you have to have four or five guys on the same page to be successful. You know, you can get away with four or five guys on the same page and have a successful team. But the, the proof is this. Lanzini is constantly playing a different game when he's out there. Yeah. Um, he understand. I think his, I, I bet if we looked at his football IQ, I bet it would be the highest on the team. Maybe, yeah. maybe Noble would have a higher one. Maybe because Noble's spatial awareness is incredible, but I really like Lanzini. He's playing a different game yeah. and and you can see it on his face when he's playing. I get it that he's frustrated. And so this is the last question I want to ask on him because we've covered it a lot. <laughs> what do we do with Manuel Lanzini? Because obviously the transfer windows at the very end, unless an offer comes in that blows our socks off, he's going to be a West Ham player the remainder of the year. Right. But here's my honest question for you. If the transfer window and you, you were making the shots right now for West Ham, what do you do with Manuel Lanzini?
1: You know, honestly, I don't sell him. You know, I think that, and we'll we'll get into this, but the fact that we are in a relegation battle, are you really going to be able to sell Lanzini and guarantee me with the money that, it, that he goes for that we're going to be able to buy a like-for-like, like, that we're going to be able to bring in somebody that is going to be impactful, somebody that does have his skill set, his talent, his potential... And is that going to be worth what you what you uh, what, what you let him go for? So no, I think you hold on to him because there is always going to be the possibility that he steps on that pitch and does something magical. Whether he does it or not, you know, whether he's getting pulled in that 60th minute every single time, and Fournals is getting brought on, or God forbid, Carlos Sanchez, uh, you have to you have to hope that there is going to be that potential. It's the same thing. Why why put a on when he'll go? six games where he touches the ball maybe three times and he's dropping all the way back to the 18 yard box to try to pick it up. It's you put him in there because he's got a job to do because you trust in the, the notion that these guys are going to do what they're ultimately paid to do. Anderson, same thing. He hadn't had a before the, Bournemouth game, he hadn't had a goal since like April of last year. I mean, it was nuts the amount of time he had gone without really having as much of an impact on the game as what he used to have. But you keep him on there because you know the potential's there, because you know the talent is there, and you hope there's going to be a point where he unlocks that defense. He plays that beautiful through ball. He curls it from the outside. I mean, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But God, we got to at least try.
0: I'm going to tell you what we do with him. We sell him.
1: How dare you, after I'm, your passionate extolling of his talents.
0: He is he's an incredibly talented player, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you this. We're in a relegation battle, Liam. Manuel Anzini, we can't wait for the team to catch up on the page he's on. We can't. You sell him. And the reason you sell him is because he can get you two hardworking players. He's probably worth forty to fifty million. I saw the numbers of sixty to seventy. He's not worth yeah, that. Yeah, no, not that's okay. Like, that's way inflated. We we think he's worth that, and but he's probably like, we, if we got an offer in at forty million, you sell him. And the reason you sell him is because the truth is this: we have to acknowledge the fact, Liam, and we're going to get into this right now. We're in a relegation fight. We are sitting in seventeenth. Are we in 18th on gold differential? I think think we're
1: we're only out of the drop zone because of gold differential right now. I know we were close. Yeah, Um, because it was if we had gone down by three or more against Liverpool, then the gold differential would have flipped on us. So right now uh, we are tied at – we are tied on – I'm sorry. I'm looking at the the standings here. Okay, so we're tied on points uh, with Bournemouth and with Watford, all on 23. Uh, but we are at a negative 13 goal differential. Bournemouth at a negative 14. Watford at a negative 15. Thank God, Norwich is at a negative 23, and they're only sitting on 17 points. So there are two wins behind all three of the rest of us. But yeah, we are sitting. We I mean, we are sitting literally centimeters above that bottom three. But Here's my only issue, not my only issue, but a major issue. If you sell Lanzini, it has to be to a club outside the Premier League. Because If you sell him to anybody in the Premier League, he scores against us and he'll be the reason we go down. I I think
0: you're 100% right and I would like to not sell him to anybody in the Premier League. In fact, I bet the player... Doesn't want to be in the Premier anymore. I, I would. I, I've I've heard rumors. There's
1: a lot of Spanish clubs that are interested in him. Italian clubs as well. I heard Syria. ah uh, There was a couple of clubs looking at him.
0: But but the truth is this, Liam. We're in a relegation fight, and Manuel Lanzini is on playing a different game. Yeah. And we're talking about building consistency. Like that's what we're doing. The truth is, what consistency can we have when we constantly have players out injured? You know what would have made a difference in that Liverpool match is if we would have been able to play Mikel Antonio. Yeah. Because Mikel Antonio, for some reason, he's the Batman and he allows Halaire <laughs> to be the Robin. And then they work very well together. Yeah. And he's a he's a brute that can go out there and he can draw the attention of the back line. He's gonna make Virgil van Dyke sweat a little bit. And then you have Haler that can take on anybody, you know, and win when he doesn't have to be the focal point. Right. And so I have to tell you the truth. I love Lanzini. I have his number 28 kit at my house. His first year. That's how much I love that player. I fell in love with him. When his first year with West Ham last year at the Bowl Inn. But the truth is, man, it's time that we have to do right by the player and right by us. Right. He is playing a different game when he's out there. When he's out there, we're disjointed and we're disjointed because he is trying to do things we are not ready for. Right. But when you put in guys that are on the same page, you have it. That does not mean that he's a bad player. But I think you said it best. He's not the best player for West Ham right now. Yeah. So when we look at this, we're in a relegation fight, Liam. What the hell do we do?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I guess we wait till the absolute uh, 11th hour to try to make some signings prior to the, the closing of the transfer window. I mean, we have till Friday at 11 p.m. Right at, well, Uh well, you know, uh, English time, you know. Not here on the West Coast. Uh, so, I mean, we're down to the doomsday clock here. I mean, I know we got uh, Thomas Suchek in. Oh, my God, Suchek. That's going to make a fucking difference. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the game changer right there. But the... You know, like we've we've got the 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 rumors now that we we put in a pretty big bid for Jared Bowen, uh, trying to nick him from hole because uh, Crystal Palace had previously had uh, an offer in for him, but we're trying to pick him up. But really, are you going to? hedge your bets on saving us from relegation for a striker that's showing high class in the championship. Like you're going down a level to try to pick up a striker. Why are we not looking at strikers from La Liga? Why are we not looking at strikers that are maybe out of favor at some of the other clubs in the premier league? Why are we not going with proven strikers? I mean, even with a this is a 45 million pound, you know, weight around our neck up at that up at that front line because he's just not banging in goals the way that we need him to. I mean, it'd be one thing for us to be leaky in the back line. It's another thing for us to have Fabianski out and having to bring in Darren Randolph back. I mean, which I think was actually a good move. I don't think that he played poorly for the games that we had him in there. I was glad Fabianski was back for the Liverpool game. But it's just, you know, you have... You have opportunities. You had an entire month to try to bring in game changers that were really going to help get us out of this relegation battle. And the board chose to wait until the absolute end. And, you know, a lot of the reports now are saying that the only reason they're doing that because there was so much fan unrest, because the supporters were so vocal, because of the, the, uh, uh, Hammers United protest outside the ground before the Everton game. I mean, you, you have these, this external pressure to try to get the board to perform when it should never be the case. They should want us to be far and away from that relegation battle. They should want to bring in and deliver on the promises that they made by bringing in high class players, bringing in those individuals that can complement a Lanzini. Those people, you know, Felipe Anderson's injured, injured and they're saying now till almost the end of February where initially I thought he was going to be back next week, but it looks like he's going to be out. You don't have Jack Wilshire. You have a very thin midfield that now you're bringing in unproven players and you're going to hope that they're going to be able to slot in and make a difference. It's, 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 uh, it's aggravating to look at the way the board treats this club as though it's an inconvenience for them to actually have to invest their money. And if that is the case, they need to go. We are, they are the reason we're in a relegation battle. The, the four years now that since we've been at the London stadium, yeah, we finished 10th last season with, Manuel Pellegrini but there was a point even last season where we dropped fairly low in the table and there were concerns that we may fall into the relegation zone you cannot tell me that they cannot learn season over season to reinvest in this club and get us to where we were promised we were supposed to be which is the top half of the table
0: they cannot reinvest in this club and they cannot get us where we're supposed to be I'm going to tell you again
1: oh yeah it's because it's the truth i mean i'm i
0: i I hear what you're saying (laughs) and i i I love the positivity out of you today and i like the fact that you went nice you said it's aggravating no it's downright shameful (laughs) it is shameful it is ridiculous it is comical that's maybe the worst one we are the laughing stock of the premier league when it comes to transfers it's a joke we're linked with every name and then we get thomas suchek Yeah. So I'm going to tell you this right now. You want to know what we do? And I'm going like I am on the hate train, Liam. I'm on the fucking hate train. (laughs) Here's what we do. We get fucking relegated and we sell it out and we relegate. And let me tell you why. We relegate because this board can't take that financial hit. They'll be forced to sell. They will 100% be forced to sell. So the way that I look at it, it um, it is addition by subtraction. We get rid of this board. We get somebody in. At this point, anybody. Sometimes the devil you know is better, but I'm willing to dance with the devil I don't. And the point is going to be this. You do it. You get rid of all the fat. You sell the guys that want to stay. That means goodbye, Lanzini. Goodbye, Philippe. Goodbye, Allaire. You let them go. It didn't work. You tried it. It didn't work. And let's invest in the academy like they used to do back in the day. Grady D'Angana is killing it at West Brom.
1: And now they want to buy him. Yeah. Yeah, they put in an offer.
0: Yeah, and so you look at that point right there. So Grady D'Angana is killing it. You got Ben Johnson. We saw the debut of a young buck for West Ham in this one. And Jeremy Nakia. Yeah. Nakia. Yeah. So he's looking good. You have Declan Rice, Mark Noble. Xander Silva is a pretty good prolific striker down there he's got he's kind of been in waves um but he's prolific
1: and he's quick that's a big thing like we lack pace so painfully bad and you cannot tell me that by injecting some youth into this squad would not be beneficial for us it absolutely would you can still have your snod grasses your mark nobles the guys that don't have that same level of quickness as long as you surround them by people that do so liam are you saying you're with me here what? Are you saying, let's
0: relegate West Ham United, get rid of this board, sell the fat, invest in the youth, and buy smart? Go out and buy a guy. Like, we should have a rule. Um, we're only going to buy guys under 25 years old, and they're going to sign a five-year deal if we get them, so that we get them for the prime of their career.
1: My my only fear is you look at a Leeds United, right? Used to be the perennial... Contender in the Premier League and they've gone down and have stayed down for so long that that is my fear that the last time we went down right in 2010 uh, the 2010 2011 season when we when we got relegated last the first season that this board was in charge. We were lucky. We were fortunate to come right back up. Earlier in the 2000s, in the 2003 season, we were down, I think it was two years before we actually came back up. So there, is, my fear is there's no guarantee that we go down for a year, we get to inject the, the, the team with some youth. Yeah, you still have Moyes at the helm. He gets you brought back up, similar to the way Allardyce did, and he's the hero because, oh, yeah, we went down, but look, he brought us back up but that's not a guarantee anymore, man. Like we just struggled against West Brom at home and we played a strong ass side. So if that's the case, I mean, in West Brom, yeah, they, they've been, you know, in the top two for a while now, but they've had a bad run of form. The seven games for this, they were not looking good. And then all of a sudden they play us and they beat us one zero in our own home. You know, i air quotes on home. It's, That's, that is one, my one caveat that as much as I would like to see us get relegated, if it did mean the board were, were gone, that they were absolutely going to be gone. If there was a guarantee that we go down and they're gone, I, I might take that chance, but there's one, no guarantee that they go. And two, there's no guarantee that we come back up immediately. And for uh, the, the, all the struggles and all the issues that we've run into, I just, I fear, and they talked about this on Sunday supplement on Sky Sports. There's no guarantee. That this club survives relegation, and I, as much as I hate the board, as much as I hate what's been happening to West Ham in the last couple of years, I still love West Ham, and I cannot see my beloved team fall apart.
0: Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. I got a little emotional. <laughs> you made some very good points there. It um, happens once in a while. God damn it, though. I just, <laughs> I just want this board gone, Liam. Yeah. I want them gone so bad. It's very clear. I don't care how much Sullivan loves the team. I don't.
1: No, because uh, I don't excuse think he does. Me, not Sullivan. Gold, Gold. I
0: don't care how much Gold loves the team. And I
1: don't think either of them love it. I think they like the team, and they like the prestige of owning a London football club that has some connection to both of these idiots. But they talk about financial issues, and we find out recently that Karen Brady just got a fucking raise. How are you going to give this dumbass a raise? She was making £898,000, and now she's making over £1.13 Pounds a year to do fucking what it is. It is just completely astounding the, the incompetence that this board has. And it's, it's, it's gotten to that point where every single news pundit is calling out West Ham's inefficiency and their lack of investment, their lack of ability to properly run a football club. And the board has the audacity to ask them to apologize You've got to be fucking shitting me. You, get, you got called out on all your bullshit and this th- that's your response instead of being, hey, we'll do better. Hey, we're going to start investing money. Hey, we'll be smarter about the way we run this club. Instead, they turn around and go, hey, I don't like that you guys called us out on our shit. I want you to apologize. Fuck out of here.
0: So I'm gonna I'm gonna plead ignorance here. You said she got a raise. I thought that was and slang for something dirty. Oh, I, so. wait, I wish I wish, but, <laughs> but I was the, I was thinking there. But no, it's uh, the
1: it's the gods honest truth. She they gave the dumbass a raise.
0: So let me get this straight. They give her a raise, um, and she's probably drug West Ham's name through the mud more than any of them. Yeah, with a stupid column. She's also. Um, the one that tweets out pictures at the Arsenal game going, Arsenal knows how to do it right because they fucking have desserts. <laughs> like, um, bitch, you don't need to be eating that. Like, come on now. Yeah. I mean, really? Oh, God. Liam, they give this raise. We're so tight-lipped in the transfer market. And this is what I've realized about West Ham. Okay, and And we have to cover this because – West Ham have a trend this year. We're we're bringing back our exes. Yeah, you know we're all about you know David Moyes. We screwed up. Come on, come on back. Me love you long time. Come <laughs> on, you know give you a year and a half this time. But the truth is, we constantly are going back trying to recapture the glory. And the truth of the matter is, is it was broken before. We just yeah. we had a guy who once again is linked with West Ham named Dimitri Payet. Yep. And um I know
1: that wasn't bad enough.
0: Yeah. And then, in addition, Marco Analtovich's name has surfaced as another player that West Ham United... Now, you mentioned this could be, you know, just fodder, and we might not know how real this is, but it begs the question, and we have to ask this. Would you take Arnautovic back, and would you take Dimitri Pyat back, or just one of them, or none of them?
1: I, You know, it's it's tough, because Dimitri Pyatt, he's you know what 33 now he's that much older about 260 <laughs> yeah he's he's a solid 20 stone at this point um you know i just I, I i don't think you can really capture the glory days i think you remember what he was able to do for this club when he was here same thing with marco anotovic um i don't know though man cuz you do think about what we were talking before with lanzini lanzini had one of his better seasons With Dimitri Payet here, does that suddenly unlock some of the issues that we had had? Does Anderson suddenly perform at another level because you have that center attacking midfielder, you know, that can create a a moment of magic? Arnautovic, yeah, it was only 11 goals both seasons that he was here, but we could use 11 goals right now, especially with somebody like that, that you know would be able to play off of a layer. And then at that point, does that kickstart his ability in the Premier League? So I don't know, man. I think at this point, if you can get them in on on a solid dime and they're going to help us stay up or help us move the needle to get us back in the top half of the table, I think you kind of swallow your pride and you get it done. It's a desperate
0: situation. It comes down to do you want this team to get relegated with the hope that the board is going to have to sell if that happens? Or are you looking at it like you mentioned earlier, which I think there's a lot of credibility to your argument, there's no guarantee you're coming back up if you go down. And so the reality of the situation is this. Let's take a look at it. Do I bring in Dimitri Payet? Probably not. Reason why, 33-year-old player. He's clearly overweight. He's dominating in the French League. Now, granted, he was dominating in the French League, but he was 28 at that time. Yeah. So it was a little bit different. He had more years to spare. The only way I bring in Dimitri Payet is if I can get him from Marseille for $5 million or less. I'm not paying a lot for him. And the reason why is because I'm not going to pay for a 33-year-old player. I'm not going to pay an amount of money that I don't want to. Now, Marco Analtovich is a different story. Um Marco I would I would pay 15 to 20 million to get him back. And the reason why I would do that is because Manuel Lanzini and Marco Aneltovic had a chemistry on the field. They were deadly together. Yeah. Marco is clearly a Batman and he's going to act like a Batman and he's a right bastard. And I've always said this. We knew what we were buying when we got him. So when all he pulled all the shit, I personally wasn't shocked. I was not. Because
1: he I, did it to Stoke. He did it to Stoke to come to us.
0: And he's all – like my thing is this. And I think – I want to say um, – I think Baz Cox said it best. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that it was on his profile here. So shout out to you, Baz. He said, just come out and say you're in it for the money and we can accept that. He just needs to admit that I don't give a shit if I win a trophy. If you're going to pay me, I'm going to go out there and give you hundred percent, but I'm all about that money. And that, that's all I want to hear from him because the, the man was a right bastard. He's an asshole on the pitch. He yells around. There's a little bit of swagger when he's out there. Yeah. And I like that about him. Um, but I 100% would take Marco Analtovich back over Dmitri Payet because I believe that he
1: automatically,
0: and remember who was the man
1: that put him up front? It was uh Moise it was Moise that changed him from a winger to a striker, and holy shit, you know I mean at that point, you know we we're in a relegation battle at that point, right, but you've got you've got suddenly a uh, uh, a reinvigoration of your of your attack, and I think that's ultimately what we need right now, so yeah, would it suck to eat a little bit of crow and bring him back maybe a little bit, but I mean, let's look back in the day, man, would you have brought back Paul Ince? Like even after the whole Manchester United holding up the jersey and all the bullshit that went with that, the dude could still ball. So yeah, maybe you suck it up a little bit. and You realize, yeah, players want to go where the money is or they want to go where the trophies are. But if they're willing to come back and they're going to fight for the badge and they're going to keep the team up, isn't that what we want? At the end of the day, don't we just want players that are going to play for the badge? Whether it's the money that helps them play for the badge or if it's the ideal living in London. I really don't give a shit. As long as, they, as, long as the product on the field is, is what we as fans deserve. And I, I swear to God, we deserve Champions League. We deserve top half of the table. There should never be a point that we are lower than 10th place. And if it takes Marco Onatovich and Dmitry Payet back to do that, fuck it, do it, get the job done.
0: I'm all I'm all in on Marco. Uh, I mean, he's a right bastard, and I know I know what he did to the club. I know I know the turmoil he put Pellegrini for uh, through. I've heard the stories, but, the- but Moise wouldn't have
1: put up with that. You know what I mean? I think that's the biggest thing. Pellegrini was just the he was like befuddled the whole time. Mois, I think, would have put Marco in his place, and he would have been like Marco. Sit down, shut the fuck up, put the ball in the back of the net. Because he wouldn't have tolerated that. And I think that's why Marco didn't try to do it while Moyes was still here. And then he started playing the little mind games and the little behind-the-scenes bullshit because there was nobody there to really put him in his place. Because then when you think about it, when he had to release that video that was like, oh, West Ham, I'm still here. I'm going to play for you. What happened right after that? Every time the players would go and clap the the fans, Marco would go and stand with Mark Noble because he knew there was nobody in that stadium that was going to throw shit at Marco Analtovich as long as Mark Noble was standing right next to him. So he was always arm around Mark standing right next to him. It's because he knew what he did and he knew the fans reaction to it. So he was trying to mitigate the, uh, the uh, backlash as much as possible. So I think especially if he needs to come back because he wants to play in London again and he realized this little Chinese excursion didn't work because now he has coronavirus and he may never recover. Uh, yeah, I, I'd have him back because I guarantee you he battles now.
0: Just so you know, America has had the coronavirus a lot longer than them. It came from Mexico, and it tastes great.
1: If you, Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, a little bit of lime. I mean, it, it can really make your Saturday afternoon that much better after suffering yet another West Ham defeat.
0: And, and speaking of another West Ham defeat, it might be on the horizon as we play this Saturday. We're at home to Brighton.
1: And we haven't beat them since they came up. So.
0: And it's infuriating that we haven't, because we've <laughs> clearly been the more talented team. Um, you Most likely, you uh, by that game, um, we're going to know if West Ham were able to sign anybody else, if there's any surprises. Uh, uh, no shocker here, it doesn't look like anything's going to happen on the final day. Nope. Um, I mean, the only thing I could see is maybe one of our top guys going, but I couldn't see anybody coming in. It's, a, it's an ugly situation right now, being a West Ham fan. Um, as the song says, fortune is always hiding. Yeah. Um, so we look to Brighton here. Um, we haven't beaten them. You mentioned it. What's your prediction for this match? I I, I mean, I really don't have a lot to, to say to look at. Uh, here's the truth. We've said it again. There's really not a lot of players on their team we fear. We are clearly the more talented side, but if you're going off form, we should probably, you know, have a tough time in this match. So looking at it, Liam, what is your prediction for this game
1: against Brighton? I think we actually come in looking good in this one. I think based on the performance that we had against Liverpool, knowing that we we need to get those 3 points. We cannot just hope on one point because we don't know if Bournemouth's going to take a win. I mean their last their last game they won. Watford lost their last one. Uh but for Brighton, uh they've only won one match in the last 5. So they've had two losses, two draws and a win. I think that they're there for the taking and I really do think that if we play Lanzini out again, right? If you if you do Cresswell and Masawaku on, I think there was a lot of uh, give and take. There were some times where they didn't quite know which one of them should push up. I think that now they've got the the pressure of a Liverpool game behind them and Brighton, they can be a little bit more forward. We were lumping a lot of balls in towards the end of that Liverpool game. We kind of had them on their back heel, which I was really impressed on and I honestly, I think we've, we've done that the last couple matches. I think this is our opportunity to take three points. Um, I think we actually go out there and we put it to them. I think we walk out two zero. Uh, and I actually would love to see Snodgrass on the score sheet again. I think that he absolutely deserves it. And God damn it. Give Declan Rex a goal. He should have had that goal. He smashed it and it was just unlucky. You know, just unlucky that uh, Allison got his hand to it. So um, I'm actually going to say Deck finally finds the back of the net, and then Snodgrass does what he does best. Uh, he, I think he's the first goal that we get, and he he puts us uh, he puts us on that front foot.
0: I think at this point um, you got to put the best players on the pitch. I think Masawaku is one of those guys. I think Cresswell is one of those guys. I think Snodgrass is clearly one of those guys. Um, I think Lanzini's at his best when he can play in behind the striker. Um, and I think Snodgrass is at his best when he's on the right side. Yeah. So uh, I would like to see that. I think Moyes will end up sticking Lanzini out left and put Snoddy in the middle. Um, but I, I really think um, the point is is going to be this. We know that Lanzini has to go get the ball deep. So to me, it's going to be very key I hope that he gives a green light to Mark Noble to free flow, uh, because Noble's a guy that can get the ball, hold it, and get it to Lanzini in a position where he doesn't have to come past the midway line to actually get the ball and start creating. And I think if we have him, if we have Snodgrass out there um, alongside Lanzini, I don't know what's (laughs) going on with Antonio, but to me, if Antonio plays, we win. Like I, I think it's it's not even a question. But I can't. I can't say he's going to be on the pitch. So when you've got Allaire, who I I like, Allaire is, to me, needs to be treated like a decoy in the game. He needs to just Mm -hmm. draw attention and let Lanzini fill into that spot because Lanzini because he's got the foot like we mentioned, where he can put, he can put the ball wherever he wants it if he gets the space. Yeah. Problem is he hasn't been able to get the space.
1: And I think, but but you think you're saying it perfectly. If Alair can pressure the center backs and make them drop deep and that cur- that gives that more that gives that that uh, openness that space for Lanzini to really operate and either play the ball out to the wings let the cross come into Alaire or if he has enough space that he can get to the top of the 18 and fire one in do it i i, I like that idea i like playing him as kind of a uh, like a number 10 role like a playmaker role right behind Alaire but as though it is that 4-4-1-1 I think, to me, that's probably what makes the, the most sense, especially if we don't have Antonio. I, I don't mind the idea of a Jetty getting a, a run out and trying to play the two of them up top. I actually think he worked really, really hard um, in the uh, the Leicester game, but I just, I just don't think there's been enough time, and I don't think we can wait for them to figure out the chemistry between the two of them. I think we need results now, especially against Brighton because with Man City and Liverpool looming right after that, I mean... This is our t- opportunity to get points.
0: You're 100% right. We've got to find points where we can get them. And this is a game where we can't settle for the draw. We've got to go for the win.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and as I mentioned it, Lanzini was at his best in most recent times, obviously when he was next to Dimitri Payet. But he also found form again when he could sit in behind Arnautovic. Yeah. So if he can sit in behind the striker, I think we're going to see the best of what he can offer. Um, I'm really curious to see if he rolls Thomas Suchek out there. Um, I will, Don't be shocked, West Ham fans, if we just sign a guy and he immediately starts. Tends to be the way we do things. Um, so once again, that inconsistency that we build um, is going to continue. So time for my prediction. You sure. have a 2-0, you've got Snotty, and you've Declan. got Deck getting a goal. I like that shot. I like it a lot. Unfortunately, I think we go down 1-0. And I think we go down 1-0 because he's going to start Thomas Suchek. He's not going to play Lanzini in the right spot. Um, He's going to play it out there. We're going to be disjointed as we always are. We're going to get close. We're going to have moments in the game where we look good. But Form has told me that we're not going to be able to put the ball in the back of the net in the final third because we're going to struggle there. And as typical West Ham, we're going to give up a cheap goal early in the match, within the first 20 minutes, and we're going to be playing for the rest of our lives down the way. And Brighton is just going to
1: play tight asshole and it's going to suck. So when you look at uh, Brighton's last couple of matches, so they lose three, one to Bournemouth, which that obviously, I, and I, I hate the idea of like, well, cause we beat this team and this team beat that team. We'll beat that team. I know that's not always the case, but there is something to be said about, you know, like a, what was it? It was four nail over Bournemouth and then Bournemouth takes Brighton 3-1. Uh, they tied Aston Villa 1-1. They lost to Everton 1-0. Uh, they lost to Sheffield Wednesday in the F- in the uh, FA Cup and before that they had a 1-1 draw with Chelsea. The last time they they won was a 2-0 uh, over Bournemouth back on December 28th. So the replay against Bournemouth they lost. I mean yeah, I get it. That was that was it, they were away at Bournemouth, but still they're going to be away at the London stadium. And I think this is our opportunity to really capitalize on it. So um, I can, it, it sucks though, because I can absolutely see us losing one zero similar to the Sheffield United game. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping for the best man.
0: Nice try. You're not going to convince me. <laughs> we're we're going to go down one Oh, I'm pessimistic right now and I'm not, I'm not feeling like we can. So in spite of that, you have two goals, one for Deck, one for Snotty. Um, I have them going down 1-0. I'm not going to pick a goal scorer from Brighton because I don't know any of their names. I don't want to know any of their names. So I'm going to ask you this. Who is man of the match?
1: Uh, Snodgrass, hands down. I mean, the, the work rate that he had in the Liverpool game, although I probably would have given the nod to, uh, Declan, cause I think that he actually did more with the ball in the middle and actually trying to push up into the final third. Uh, but Snodgrass with the set piece delivery, with his, like I said, with his work weight, rate, his devotion, I mean, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard shake not to look at him as, is a pretty consistent man of the match. How about you? Oh, it's easy.
0: It's Lucas Fabianski. You have about eight saves, but one's going to get by and that's going to be the difference. Uh, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm very uh, dejected with the way that we play. I, I, I think the same problems with Pellegrini, not knowing his best 11. I think it's the same problem with Moyes. The problem for Moyes though, is everybody's injured that he needs. Yeah, And you know, and Mikel Antonio finds his way on the pitch. My, my whole, I want to make this very clear. Antonio's on the pitch. We win 2-0. I agree with you. But I just think think we're just in a position where all the guys we need are just struggling. Uh, It's now time for everybody's favorite part of the show. Even though it's probably not, I'm going to tell you that it is, because that's how I'm feeling right now. (laughs) Um, It's time for the yellow and red cards. So, Liam, hit me with your yellow.
1: So, for yellow card, I want to actually give that to – to Moyes for not playing some of these younger players earlier. I think that especially with the, the FA cup, I think with uh, some of the other games that we've had, we've had an opportunity to blood some of these younger players like uh, a Jeremy Nakia. Um, You know, I know Ben Johnson's been out injured, but, you know, we saw Nathan Holland make what one, maybe two appearances. I think that there was a lot of opportunity to run out some of these younger kids, give them valuable minutes, and if anything, give them the opportunity to challenge some of these first team players. I mean, the fact that we're still running out Carlos Sanchez at all is just mind boggling to me. I think that we are, we're waiting far, we're waiting until it, we're in dire straits. To to play some of these players where it's literally like, well, we have no other option. Ryan Fredericks is injured. Zabaleta ha- is too old to be able to play this many games uh, in succession. So we can't play Ben Johnson. Let's play our second option right back out of out of the academy. It's just it's it's poor planning. It's poor development you want to get put these guys in a situation to succeed. I think Jeremy did a fantastic job, especially dealing with a high-pressure situation. He had a couple of lame-duck crosses uh, into the box, but I think he settled in, and honestly, I think he put in a really good shift. But there's no reason that he couldn't have put in that shift earlier in this season. Why are we waiting until Liverpool to give these guys a run out? So, yeah, my yellow card goes to Moyes and honestly also to Pellegrini because he should have been running out some of these players early on as well. How about for you? Uh
0: It's clearly going to the West Ham fans. I I, I agree with the booing of Manuel Lanzini. I don't think it helps us in this situation. Right. It's one thing if we're in a much better play, place in the table, but we're not. So I give my yellow cards. I caution you. You know, remember, like, it ain't Lanzini's fault we're here. Like, it's not. So if you want to boo, there's somebody you can boo, and it ain't Manuel Lanzini. And I, and it's hard for me to boo a guy that's had so many great West Ham moments. Um, I, I understand I, it's warranted. It is definitely warranted. There is a reason to boo him. But I don't think that's where the problem lies. Right. So that that's where that
1: goes for me. What about your red card? So red card, I, this may seem kind of typical, and I'm sure I've given it multiple times to the board. But the board, again, because here we are, At the absolute end of the transfer window and really the the one signing they got relatively early was Darren Randolph, which was not going to cost them any money. Here we are another window where they've decided not to spend and they sit around and they piss in our face telling us it's rain trying to say, oh, well, it's difficult to make signings in January. Bitch, please. We've watched multiple other clubs have no problem at all bringing in additional talent to bolster their squads, this transfer window. So you can't tell me that Sheffield United can put the, the, you know, pen to paper, but we can't fucking do it. Say, you know, Southampton, why are we competing for players? against Crystal Palace why are we competing for players against Sheffield United against Southampton this is this is ludicrous to me we should be battling the top six and we can sell it and the fact that look you can be an all-star player here over over at Tottenham you might not even make the bench but you will play here you will be a legend here we've got this this beautiful stadium we've got this uh you know manager with a with a great track record when he was with Everton not so much with Manchester United you know we've got other players like Anderson like uh Allaire. we have these high quality players that we've that have been brought in why is it a difficult selling point to bring people to West Ham I'll tell you why because people don't want to play for this stupid fucking board so if they're not going to put their money where their mouth is they're not going to invest the way that they that they need to in order to keep us out of the relegation zone they absolutely get my fucking red card
0: Man, I, You must have been reading my notes because my red card <laughs> is also going to the board and we're going to double red card. Double red. I believe
1: that's a four game
0: suspension. I, I believe
1: I, for them. Can it just be a permanent suspension? Oh, God,
0: that would be beautiful, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, my reasoning is, is very similar to the same. So I'm not going to repeat what you said because I like it. But mine it goes down to the Italian evaluation. Stop trying to go to the fucking Swiss League. Stop going to the fucking middle division in fucking India. I'm sick of it. I'm absolutely sick of it. I'm going to sound off here for a minute. West Ham United should not be looking in those leagues for players. They shouldn't be. They should be looking at established players in established leagues because if you want to act like a world-class club, then you need to start spending like a world-class club. So don't sit there and sell me shit like that when you have no intention whatsoever. Don't tell me you're going to buy me three-ply toilet paper and I get it and it's one-ply. <laughs> don't tell me that. And don't say it was cheaper because I'm going to use that shit faster. Yeah. My point is always going to come to this. If West Ham United want to get their act together. They need to start evaluating talent on a level with the teams that they view themselves with. Slavin Bilic could go find the needle in the haystack, i.e. Dimitri Payet, i.e. Manuel Lanzini. He could do that. We now just lost to him, and he's got another talented bunch at West Brom. He targets, I don't know, a guy named Grady Ghana. Why (laughs) the hell did we let him go out on loan? I don't get it. I'm going to blame it on Pellegrini, but the truth is it's probably the board because they wanted the money from the loan. So I'm going to tell you right now, not only do you get my red card, You also get my dire frustration and my fight. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care how famous you are. If I met you in real life, I would honest to God avoid you. I wouldn't say a word to you. You're the kid in my third grade class that smells like piss and I don't want to be anywhere around you. So you get my red card because West Ham United, I am sick and tired of hearing us linked with these players in these leagues I've never heard of, and you telling me how great they are. I'll give you the truth. I play FIFA. I get on there, I look at player rankings. Don't tell me this forty eight in fucking Pascogee, Illinois is gonna <laughs> reef is gonna rebrand our team and totally take off. Because the truth is this everybody's got eyes on footballers in the world. Everybody. We know where the good players are, so don't try to pull bullshit over my eyes. And with that, and that sound off, thank you again for listening to another episode (laughs) of American Hammers Radio. I am your host Tex, joined by Liam, and as always, come come on you irons. irons!